1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody, it's Dan, and we're back on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast with a Hey, Mary Kay edition of the podcast here on a Wednesday. Mary Kay Cabot answers questions from our Football Insider subscribers about Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield, and so much more, including are there any Browns on this roster who could be on a path? To the hall of fame that comes up in the second half of the podcast now if you're not a football insider subscriber go to cleveland.com slash browns click the blue banner at the top of the page get all your info and get signed up a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day i actually wrote today's newsletter uh, a member of our browns reporting team writes it every day uh, you get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns and you can become one of our text subscribers so again cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page get info and get signed up all right let's do this the Orange and or Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition, here on a Wednesday. Here we go on our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and or Brown Talk podcast. today. Lord, A day later than normal, but uh, lots of questions coming in from our Football Insider subscribers. So let's get right to it, Mary Kay. And look, a lot of people, maybe it's good that we waited a day to do this because it gave everyone a chance to see Odell Beckham Jr., finally score a postseason touchdown and finally get a postseason win uh, with the LA Rams on Monday night football. So a few people wrote in and asked, so we're going to use Mike Mudler from Atlanta, Georgia. His question, it was the most straightforward. Hey, Mary Kay, why does Odell Beckham Jr. look so good now?
0: You know, it's a great question. It's a great question. And I, you know, I attribute it to, there really was just sort of a lack of chemistry between Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. They just did not have it together. And as we go along over the next couple of years, uh, we will find out if, um, you know, if it was just a a Baker and Odell thing, or maybe it's going to be more of a Baker and other guys thing too, because right now uh, Baker has exhibited some of the same chemistry issues with like an Austin Hooper. So I think we'll know more uh, as time goes on, but I think that, uh, you know, that Odell is just, he's getting the football, first of all, and he's dialed in, he's locked in. I think that was his sixth or seventh touchdown pass in the last six or seven weeks, something like that, and uh, and the catch. And then he also threw a pass, and he caught another really clutch uh, pass in that game to the one uh, that set up a touchdown, I believe. And uh, so here's the thing that I think about Odell. I I felt all along that he needed a change of scenery and that Baker also needed to be away from him. They just did not work together. And I I thought that he, uh, he got inside of Baker's head when he was on the field, Baker felt like he he had to throw the ball to him and he, they just couldn't make it work together. So I was in favor of Odell getting out of here and you know, that freeing up Baker a little bit and also giving Odell, an opportunity to get back to being what he is, which is, I think, a Hall of Fame receiver. Now, I just got out of, as we taped this on Tuesday night, seven and a half hours Hall of Fame votes. Some of those plays that he made last night, including the touchdown catch, that's Hall of Fame talent right there. And we saw some of that. We saw flashes of it while he was here. We certainly saw flashes of it when he was uh, with the Giants. So I think you know, it's good for him now that he can get back to being that Pro Bowl caliber player, maybe even a Hall of Fame player uh, if he continues on this trajectory for the next three, four, five years. And um, and Baker can try to move forward with new receivers because the Browns need a new crop of receivers. So let's see how it all works out in the end. But I think it was mostly just those two were not a fit.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, look, there's a a bigger Baker discussion here and I think we probably had that with our last five podcasts in our, uh, our Mayfield Matrix series uh, you know like you said you know Odell you take five of those six years in New York and you know th- those were Hall if he has three or four more years like that he's a Hall of Famer no doubt you know that that sort of has fallen by the wayside since he left New York but the talent is still there and I think the frustration from Browns fans more than anything comes in You know, he's not he's not putting up like amazing numbers in L.A., but he scored six touchdowns. And last night was a prime example of, you know, Matt Stafford throws this kind of fade or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Odell goes up and gets it. And I think a lot of Browns fans are sitting here wondering, like, where where was that, especially this season? Like, where was that when Baker when uh, when Odell was on the field?
0: Well, you know, I mean, think about this, too, Dan, uh, the fact that uh, he did not have a training camp with the Rams he did not have an off season with Matt Stafford to develop that timing. You know how we were always talking about, you know, you need to just, you know, you need to rep it. You need to, you need to develop that chemistry. You need to throw to each other a bunch of times in training camp in the off season. Apparently not. Apparently you (laughs) don't need to do that. Apparently you just need to have a really good connection between A quarterback and receiver and it's just got to be natural and sometimes it's the way that the ball comes in sometimes it's ball placement sometimes it's getting the ball out quickly enough so uh, you're open enough and that the uh, the defensive back isn't all over you at the moment Uh, so I think it's a lot of things and uh, you know I think we can probably agree right now that Matt Stafford is a class above Baker Mayfield in terms of Uh, quarterback right now I mean Baker's coming off of a bad season not that many pass catchers had very good seasons uh, for the Browns and that's going to be the whole key obviously is to get him back on track to get him some new weapons to get the the tackles healthy and to hope that uh that you can see Baker making those kinds of plays uh with his number one receiver because I mean it you know it it just wasn't there and it's not like they didn't try I mean he got the targets Uh, I mean, it was just weird. He would drop passes that were like right in his hands too, Odell. It was, it, it just, uh, and I think some of that was the fact that he, if he didn't get the ball early on, he lost his concentration and he, you know, he, he wasn't, he didn't get hot in the game. And I think Odell is the kind of player that you need to get him involved early. You need to get his confidence going. You need to get him locked in and engaged and feeling good about himself as soon as you can the way that they did in that Dallas game last year, Kevin Stefanski recognized that he needed Odell to step up and kind of almost take over that game. And he did. He single-handedly almost won that Dallas game with and one of them from Jarvis Landry, one of them on a reverse, one of them from Baker Mayfield. But nevertheless, he was dialed into that football game. And there's so many times here where he was just like, sitting on the, you know, uh, you know, standing on the sidelines wondering like, when am I going to get the ball? When am I going to get some targets? When, you know? And like you said, he, he's not necessarily lighting it up with 10 catches a game, uh, but they're getting him involved. He feels good about himself. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's the start of him rehabilitating his career.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one of the things, maybe, maybe the only thing Freddie Kitchens was really good at is he knew I'm going to get Jarvis Landry the ball fast. And, you know, I'm going to get him the ball early. I mean, even if it's a play that gets us one yard, same with Odell. I'm going to get these guys some touches here early in the game and just at least put the football in their hands, however that looks. And he was good at that in 2019 or 2018. He was, you know, not as good at it kind of with everything else in 2019. Um, and, and it's something Kevin hasn't always done well with guys is necessarily. You mentioned that Dallas game, but there's there's been other times when it's kind of like, you know, just – just put the ball in Jarvis's hands, even if it's not the best play. Put the ball in Odell's hands, even if it's an end around that's going to get you two yards. You can live with that outcome. Just but just get the ball in their hands once or twice. You know, let them feel the football. It's kind of like in basketball. You know, they just just let a guy get the ball in his hands a little bit.
0: Yeah, I thought he did a better job of that last year. I really do. I mean, it's odd when you look back to the twenty twenty season because. You know, some of the more, you know, trick plays, gadget plays, getting those guys doing some different things. Uh, It just didn't seem like as much of that was there. And the notion of getting those guys, those two guys involved early and often, it, it just seemed like it was lacking something. And then I think by the time they got to the end, Baker really wasn't going to Odell with the ball anymore. And I don't think that was a Kevin thing as much as I think it was a Baker thing. I think Baker lost some faith and trust and confidence in Odell. And I do think that there were times where he just wasn't throwing him the football. And even though, you know, that cut up, um, you know, the Odell is always open video. uh, Even, even though you can, you know, pick things out of a game and make it look like certain things. um, I do think that there was something to be said for the fact that uh, there were times when there would have been opportunities to get him involved and they were not taking advantage of it for one reason or another and i was fully in support of you know ending the odell experiment here because i didn't think it was going to get any better
1: yeah i, I think you know as frustrating as it is for brown's fans to see him thriving elsewhere that became pretty clear it just wasn't going to work here uh, okay let, let's talk quarterbacks and paul spencer from new york city had a question but first Paul sent me a DM and I'm going to throw this out there and I'm just going to warn everyone. I don't want to make this a trend. My DMs are open. I I don't want to have to close them because I get a bunch of requests like this. So this is for Paul only. All right. Mary Kay, you blocked Paul Spencer back in the day. He doesn't know what for, but uh, here's what he says. I'd love to follow you on Twitter, but a couple of years back, you blocked me. I don't know what I did to earn the block, but if I offended you in some way, I can only say it probably wasn't intentional. So can you forgive a poor boy who grew up on the mean streets of Cleveland Heights, just down the block from the Unitarian Church, and find it in your heart to unblock me?
0: Well, Dan, since Paul is asking so nicely, <laughs> um, sure, I will un- un- unblock Paul. He wants to be unblocked, and, uh, you know, as, as everyone can hear there, he did ask nicely, and sometimes I I block people because it's mostly because of some kind of verbal abuse, and then sometimes if I am feeling it in the moment, I will block people that like verbal abuse. Oh, right. So Paul, yeah, maybe
1: maybe Paul got caught up in something like that.
0: He could have gotten caught caught up in hitting that little like button for some verbal abuse, and if you support verbal abuse. And I, i block some of that too. So, you know, what can you do? Um, But anyways, so sure. Let's uh, let's unblock Paul. You can let me know what his uh, his Twitter is and we'll, we'll give him another chance. People deserve second chances, Dan, don't you think?
1: I I do. And, And Paul's okay. Paul's an okay guy. I've talked to him a little bit. Actually, no, he's a pretty good guy. Um, He was on planet money. It's an NPR podcast. He was part of, he was uh, a subject of one of their podcasts. So, uh, you know, Paul, you're getting unblocked unless, unless I send Mary Kay your handle and she sees your profile photo and she's like, Oh, that guy. No, I remember why I blocked him. That's, that's still pending, I suppose, uh, as as we go through this, That's, that's the risk of doing this so publicly. All right, here's Paul's. Hey, Mary Kay question. Hey, Mary Kay, you and I seem to both be over the moon about Derek are. He says he far prefers him to Kirk Cousins. I feel like it's an extreme long shot though. What odds do you put it at and what would be your pitch to Carr and the Raiders to get him in a Browns uniform?
0: Well, I do like Derek Carr. I do like Derek Carr a lot. And if the Browns decide uh, that they wanted to try to get their hands on a player like that, and right now all we know is they are running it back with Baker Mayfield and that's the plan. But If things get a little shaken up over the next few weeks and coaches start to get hired and uh, they want to bring in different quarterbacks or different systems and people need a change of scenery and the Browns discover that perhaps they could hands on a Derek Carr, uh, then I don't think that would be the worst idea in the world to kick the tires on him. And uh, one of the reasons why I think it could possibly happen is because Derek Carr himself might have some say in the matter. If the, if the Raiders decide that they are rebuilding, or if, if the coach that comes in wants his own quarterback or, you know, just thing, things happen, things change, or, or if they want to try to get a first round pick and, you know, and start rebuilding a little bit here and there. I mean, you just never know. I think the Raiders would be crazy to give him up, but like I said, stranger things have happened. You you never know. I think you'd have to give up, uh, some combination of first round picks for him. And um, yeah, I think that uh, it would, it would take, it would take some doing, but uh, if you think that he can be the reason to put you over the top and wake up this passing game, then uh, you know, then, then by all means do it. And the thing that I, that I think everyone can see about Derek Carr is that he is a gamer. Now, obviously, that game didn't end the way that he wanted it to, but for the most part, uh, he's somebody that can get you, can pass you back into a football game usually in a hurry. And he's got ice in those veins, as you could see in that game when he had to, uh, you know, try to go down there on that, on that two-minute drill and try to score. He's he's good in those situations, and uh, now he's got a couple of good pass catchers. That, and I think that if if the Browns were to get him. Once again, they've got to get some new receivers. They might even need need a new tight end or two. I mean, he had Darren Waller. He had Hunter Renfro. And those guys were money and clutch. One of the best tight ends in the NFL. One of the best receivers in the NFL. And right now, the Browns don't have anybody in that category that are way up there amongst the league leaders like that. So if he were going to come here or even want to come here, I think he would have to have some reassurance that the Browns were going to upgrade the pass catching situation, uh, either with some combination of receivers and tight ends or or something like that. I think that, uh, I think that that would have to be a prerequisite to this, but that's why it's not out of the realm of possibility because they don't know who the coach is going to be. They don't know who the GM is, is going to be. They don't know what the philosophy is going to be. And nobody knows yet what Derek Carr is going to want.
1: Yeah, Mike Mayock is out. Rich Pasaccia is uh, one of the. I was just looking. He's one of the guys that are going to interview for the permanent job. Um, and obviously got endorsements from some Raiders players after that game. Um, you know, look, Derek Carr is not. He's not Tom Brady. He's not, you know, Joe Burrow. He's not. You know, I know he beat Justin Herbert. He's not Justin He's not in that class of guys. But he is a guy who can come in and run this offense really efficiently and make it look really good. And I, just watching that game on, on Saturday and some other games that I've watched him play, his decision-making in this offense, that ability to get that ball out quickly to the right person, it, it would look night and day. If he would have been running the Browns offense this year, they would have made the playoffs and maybe even won a playoff game. I mean, I, like I said, I know I'm saying that after he just lost a playoff game, but I, the way he makes decisions and runs an offense, it would have looked really good uh, in, in this Browns offense.
0: Yeah, I agree. His processing speed is very, very good. And he does. He gets that ball out in a hurry. He knows where he wants to go with it. He's accurate. And, uh, you know, I just think he's somebody that he's got so much experience. The game has slowed down for him so much, and he's just seeing the field really, really well. And, you know, there's a lot to like about him. And once again, we are talking about uh, in the event that the Browns decide that this would be an upgrade for them and that they would move on from Baker Mayfield, because right now, as we know, they still believe that they can get uh, some really good stuff out of Baker Mayfield, and that is the plan for 2022.
1: Okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we got a Hall of Fame question, so we're going to get to that one. I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition, and Mary Kay, as you mentioned earlier, you were in Hall of Fame voting all day today, and so Wes Daniels Uh, Actually, no. I'm sorry. I I read the wrong name. He's—he's a question I want to ask a little later. Dan from Washington DC says, "Hey, Mary Kay, Doug has said in the past the Browns have too many good players. So, in that vein, do you think anyone on the roster right now is on a path to camp?"
0: Actually, I do. I I actually do believe that um, that Miles Garrett is on that path, and he absolutely has Hall of Fame ability. And he needs to add to the resume a little bit because it's not easy. Uh, As you mentioned, I spent seven and a half hours today in Hall of Fame voting and the credentials of these players, the ones that don't even get in, it's incredible. Uh, You know, you're talking about, you know, all decade players and players that have made five, you know, four, three, four first team all pros and nine Pro Bowls. (laughs) I mean, it's just mind boggling when you see what it takes uh, to get into the Hall of Fame and the credentials, but that is why it's called the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Excellent. It's not the Hall of Amazingly Good. It's the Hall of Fame. It's supposed to be really hard to get into. So right now, I would say, Miles is the only one that fits that category in my mind at this moment. But you never know. I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, Joel Batonio, if he keeps it up, I mean, he needs a few more first team all pros and this year was his first, but if he sticks around for another bunch of years and he's an iron man and he's so healthy, uh, you know, you never know. He could get himself into that type of conversation as well.
1: So, don't you know, I completely agree with Miles. I mean, he's yeah, at his current pace, he'd get over a hundred sacks in his eighth season. So he's got a he's got a real opportunity to put up some big numbers. Uh, but you know, especially with that extra game now every year. But I did want to ask you about Joel because the Browns are sort of, I feel like they're starting to to turn to that narrative a little bit with that contract extension. Andrew Barry mentioned it, and I feel like they want to kind of start pushing that a little more. You've been in that room when some guards have come up. I mean, is that what it's about? Is it those all pro nods? What does it take for a guard to get into the hall of fame?
0: It's hard. It is so hard. There are certain positions that just get overlooked for the hall of fame and guard is one of them. That's so incredibly hard. It took forever to get Alan Fanica in there um, from the Steelers and he was amazing. Uh, So it, it wouldn't be easy I mean, he'd have to make, you know, four or five more Pro Bowls. Uh, but, I mean, that's possible. That is, that is possible for him. Uh, and, I mean, it would be tremendous because I'll tell you what, there, you, you're not going to find a better individual than Joel Batonio. and everything that he's meant to this team. Uh, it's, it's just incredible the way that, you know, he's a spokesperson for the team. He's one of the really excellent leaders on the team, and I think they need more of that. Uh, and he's, he's one of the best guards, obviously in the NFL. And I think that I would like to see him, uh, string together five more good seasons and make a run at it.
1: I mean, I know, I know tackle is different, but it feels like this was sort of the template for Joe Thomas. Like he was really good for a long time and nobody really kind of knew about him. And then towards the end of the end of his career, you just sort of kept hearing over and over again. Like, oh, this guy's a Hall of Famer. This guy's, you know, you kind of plant that seed. And legitimately, he is a Hall of Famer. yeah But it's almost like that seed has to be planted for an offensive lineman. And I would imagine especially so for, for an interior guy.
0: Yes, especially so for an interior guy. I mean, now by now, everybody knows Joe Thomas. Uh, and like you said, at a certain point, it, it became pretty evident that, uh, that he was in that category and talked about in that way. Um, but it's a tough road for a guard to make it there. I don't think it's it's impossible for Joel. Uh, it's it's a long road ahead. And what will really help is if he can get some, uh, you know, just get some playoff notoriety and get to a Super Bowl. I mean, if he ends up with, you know, a couple of like at least going to deep into the AFC Championship game a couple of times, maybe make it to a Super Bowl that will help his resume tremendously.
1: Okay, I've got another one I'm going to throw at you. And this is a, a long ways to go, but this is a guy that every week for a long time, and, and I didn't keep up real well on, on these game notes um, this year, This year, but you know, his first few years in the league, every week, it was like a Hall of Famer and him on this list of Browns accomplishments. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this yet. Mm-hmm. Does Nick Chubb well, have a chance? I
0: know you're going with Jarvis, right? no Nick Chubb I thought I thought you were gonna say Jarvis and I thought Jarvis Jarvis is an interesting
1: discussion but no I was gonna go with Nick Chubb because yeah every week for like the first three years of his career and again I didn't keep up real well this year and this fourth year but the Browns would send out these game notes and it was the only two players in Brown's history to reach this mark this quickly were Jim Brown Nick Chubb
0: well, once again, he, he'll need some, he'll need longevity at that position. You've got to have some, you really have to have some things going for you. So he's going to have to keep it up. Uh, he's going to have to keep making more pro bowls. Uh, I would say he's going to need another, you know, probably five, some good years of thousand yard seasons and pro bowls and all pros and, and all those kinds of things. He's going to need that. And you're going to need to be a, uh, on an all-decade team, if, if you if you can get that, um, all of these guys are going to need um, just some more high-profile recognition. You want to be on, you know, in primetime more often. You want to be in the playoffs. You want to be in an AFC Championship game, and you definitely want to be in a Super Bowl if you can. But he's one that he has the potential. He has the ability. There's no question about that. Uh, but you need a lot of other things to go along with it.
1: I feel like he gets a little overshadowed too just because he's playing at the same time as, De- and this year was tough for him. I mean, I never heard his name this year when people would talk about top running backs. I think people forgot about him this year. Uh, some of that buzz that was around his name died down a little bit because of the injuries and and whatnot, but um, sometimes he does get overshadowed by like Derrick Henry and, and some of these other guys. But I mean, when he's healthy, there's a case that he's, if he's not the best all around running back in the league, he might be the best runner in the league.
0: Yes. I mean, I I think all you have to do is, is watch, you know, some of those long fourth quarter runs and uh, some of his angry sort of violent type of runs uh, where he's busting through tackles to know that he is one of the best runners pure runners in the NFL. And, uh, and and that's where I think he could uh, gain some ground in terms of uh, the hall of fame discussion down the road, but you're right. He did sort of disappear a little bit this season in part because of he was injured for a couple of games. And then, as you mentioned, I mean, you, how can you not get overshadowed by Jonathan Taylor and Derek Henry? I mean, those guys uh, they're just tearing it up, you know, and, and uh, in the case of Nick Chubb, they split his carries sometimes with, you know, they want to keep him fresh and they want to keep him healthy. So they split his carries sometimes with Kareem Hunt and then also with Dearness Johnson and they take him off the field sometimes in, um, in, you know, goal line type of situations Uh, you know, sometimes when you expect him to be out there, he's not there. So, um, so yeah, I think he did kind of fall off the the map a little bit this year, just in terms of being uh, talked about the way he usually is. And he didn't even get second team all pro, which was so disappointing. Um, you know, that, that was a disappointment. Didn't you think so, Dan, he should have gotten second team pro.
1: Yeah. I thought again, that for whatever reason, and so I, you know, some of it was the injury and then he had COVID and so, so he wasn't in the spotlight as often. I do feel like just nationally people sort of forgot about him and, mm. you know, and even with Derek Henry hurt for most of the year, it, it was still a lot about, well, Derek Henry's coming back. And of course, you know, Jonathan Taylor had an amazing year but I do feel like people sort of just forgot about Nick Chubb this year. And, and I think, I think that's part of it. Like, I, you know, I don't know why they didn't go back and do like a second vote for a second running back instead of just leaving the, the second pro second team vacated, but that's probably another discussion.
0: Well, I think, I think what happened is Jonathan Taylor received all the, he was unanimous. Yeah. I mean, it was unanimous. So then it's like, Oh yeah, there's no, there's no second <laughs> team, And, uh, that was just unfortunate the way that that turned out because I think Nick uh, would have deserved it, but yeah, that was unfortunate. And then the fact that they started losing, you know, yeah. I mean, every time that, you know, you started to see them on, in, you know, in these big games, even towards the end of the season, you know, you see them playing green Bay and you see them, you know, playing the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night football and those games, he just didn't, he wasn't lighting it up. So I think he, he, you know, he kind of loses a little bit of that luster in the minds of voters and, and some fans.
1: Yeah, he either wasn't lighting it up or he wasn't getting that opportunity. I mean, Green Bay, he had 17 for 126, but he probably should have had 25 for like 250. Like he was running the right. ball that well in that game. Um, and, and then Pittsburgh, I thought he was running well, too. But I think they were protecting him since every it, it was kind of over at that point. So I right. think they were I think they were trying to be a little protective of him in that situation. Okay let's switch gears here there there's a couple questions that are kind of quick hitters and I thought they were interesting Kenneth from Birmingham hey Mary Kay do you think the Browns should consider moving Jed Wills to right tackle and search for a left tackle Kenneth is a little worried about Jack Conklin's injury
0: well yeah and I've been talking about that and writing about that for weeks that it was kind of like flying under the radar the fact that hey Jack Conklin might not be back at the start of next season, right? I mean, that's a six to 12 month injury. Maybe he will be, but maybe he won't be. So they do have to start thinking of a replacement right tackle and they do have to start thinking of plan B at left tackle. I wouldn't be opposed to them, at least considering moving Jed to the right side where he played in college and excelled. Uh, Now he was uh, blocking for a lefty QB. uh, So he was still the, the blind side protector, but um, you know, it might not be the worst thing in the world. Maybe he struggles to, to try to get his uh, mind and his body to do what he wants to do over there on the left side. And I remember talking to Nick Saban about that when uh, when Jed was was uh, coming out in the draft in 2020. And he said, it remains to be seen. Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to make that transition. He didn't, it wasn't like he said, absolutely, 100%, he's going to be able to do this. He was you know, he was leaving the possibility open that it might not be an easy transition for him. And I don't know if that has anything to do with it or the fact that he suffered an ankle injury in week one against Kansas City. And he just kept having to play on it because Chris Hubbard was lost uh, to an injury. And they just, they needed to press him back into service when he was hurt and he didn't want to play. You could tell he didn't want to play. And he, he was like coming off injured and hobbled. And uh, that was a really, really tough time. And I don't think he ever really necessarily recovered from that young players like that. When things go bad, I mean, they can, they can lose a little bit of their confidence too. So I think you have to be careful of that because, you know, if you're out there hobbling around on an ankle and you're starting to get beat a little bit, or your technique is not what it needs to be, you know, it it can mess with your head a little bit and he never seemed to recover fully from that ankle injury, in my opinion. I, I he ended up as I think the 56th best best offensive tackle in the NFL according to Pro Football Focus. Now that's not, you know, that's not written in stone. I don't think the Browns would have graded him that low in the league amongst tackles. Uh, but nevertheless, it's it's not 30, you know, it's not, you know, it's not 26. Um so that that wasn't good. I do think it would be worth at least contemplating moving him to the right side and figuring out what you want to do at the left side
1: would you if you decided to move him to the right side would you give consideration to joel as your full-time left tackle
0: you know i mean i would if you needed, or maybe even just for a season until you could figure something else out he doesn't seem to want to do that but he is talented enough to do that he is absolutely talented enough to do that so, um, it would be, have, it would have to be something that he would absolutely embrace and want to do. Um, but you know, if you don't want to, you know, weaken that left guard position, when you've got an all pro there, you know, then, then you might just have to, to start looking around for two new tackles or one new tap, one new starting tackle and a couple of good backups in the event, something doesn't work out, but, but you, how you slice it they need better left tackle play and better right tackle play next season
1: contract wise by the way just out of curiosity joel would be one two three four five six somewhere around seventh or eighth in yearly average as of right now if you were to switch to tackle right now he's the highest paid uh highest paid left guard in football Uh, okay one more question here this comes from west daniels in greensboro north carolina hey mary Kay. I'm wondering about how much Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, and others thinking two, three, or four years down the line in strategy and investment, how much they allot to that, and how much is win now or else? Are there indicators of one or the other? And then just to clarify, he says, what well, got me thinking about this were the different matrix conversations around Baker Mayfield. Uh, you just wondered how much they are thinking and planning past next year And how much of it feels do or die right now? And I thought this was an interesting question because I think it speaks to, you know, Andrew talks about this a lot, you know, kind of balancing that long term thinking, but also understanding the short term.
0: Yeah, it is a great question. It really is a very, very good question. And I would have to say that this roster is built to win now. Uh, So No matter what they do this offseason, I think it will be with an eye towards trying to get back to the playoffs and to the Super Bowl in 2022. I mean, when you've got Miles Garrett, who will be 26 or 27 next year, uh, then you've got Baker Mayfield, who will be 27 uh, throughout next season. You've got Denzel Ward going into his fifth season. I mean, this is the time is now. The time is now and the defense is ready to roll. And also your, your two guards are in the prime of their career. So you, most of your core players are in the prime right now. And I think that you have to seize the moment and you have to try to get them there. Now, I mean, you don't want Nick Chubb to start breaking down. You don't want Kareem Hunt to start breaking down as it is. You might have You know, run it back one year too long with your receivers, at least in this offense with this quarterback in this scheme and all of that sort of stuff. Um, So, uh, yeah, this is the time where where their best players, their Pro Bowl players, their highest paid players are right in the thick of their career. And you do not want to waste any more time. And that's why, you know, we did that whole Matrix series and we had that, that, you know, five podcasts about the Mayfield metrics and all of that because uh, because of this very reason do you have the quarterback right now that can get you there because if you don't you know you really have to think about how you want to manage and approach next season when there's a lot of players on this team ready to go uh, to the next level in their career
1: yeah I, I think that's the key point is you've got these guys now who are you know these aren't just a bunch of young guys these guys are you know, Denzel is probably is the youngest in that group. But I just looked it up. He turns 25 in April. Uh, but Miles just turned 26. You know, you mentioned Baker is 27. I mean, this is this is it. Like, it's it's John Johnson didn't sign here so that you can win five years from now. He might not be here five years from now. So, you know, Jack Conklin, kind of same deal, right? I mean, if, if he's back and he's healthy, who knows how much longer he's going to be here. So, yeah, you want to think long term and you want to have a vision beyond three or four years, but you also have to be ready to seize the moment. And this is kind of, this is kind of it. Like you had 2019, you had 2020, 2021, you sort of had three, three bites at this thing and haven't quite hit yet. You've got to do it here sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting when uh, you know, and you do have to strike the balance between being able to win right away and also looking with an eye towards the future. And you just keep restocking that roster and restocking and restocking. You have to be drafting. Well, Uh, you have to have a plan B at, at each position, but when you, I mean, isn't it remarkable when you look at a team like like the Pittsburgh Steelers where somehow some way, I mean, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. That's not easy to do. Some of it's really good coaching and a lot of it is also just drafting really well and acquiring good players that fit your system uh, so that you can have sustained success. And that's what the Browns are trying to do. And that's what they're going to have to to continue to do. But, but they also have to try to grab the brass ring this year or next year. That's what they were built to do. I mean, actually 2021 was the year when they really did kind of hope to, to put it all together. Uh, The explosive offense that showed up in the second half of last season coupled with the, the defense that they assembled in the offseason uh, that they knew would be better in the second half of this year. It was all supposed to come together, and they were supposed to challenge. They were supposed to win the AFC North and go deeper into the playoffs than they went last year, and anything can happen.
1: Yeah, well, and it, yeah, I mean, you mentioned, obviously, the Steelers. It's a, it's a little different with Ben, but you know the Steelers were good every year for a long time because of Ben. You know The Bengals are probably going to be really good for a long time because of Joe Burrow now the same with like the chart we can go through all these teams the teams that are really good for a long time have quarterbacks the patriots the patriots are really good for a long time because obviously the way they built their team but they also had tom brady for 18 years or whatever it was so that's a huge huge piece of the puzzle when when we kind of talk about how to build this thing and how to sustain long-term success
0: Yeah, and then, again, that, that is one of the reasons why, even though, though the Browns have come out and said in no uncertain terms that Baker Mayfield, we, you know, he is our quarterback for next season and we expect him to bounce back, that's why it still seems somewhat open to speculation and it seems open to possibilities because uh, if, if you are, remember in, in his wrap-up press conference when Andrew Barry said they approach it like we have an expansion team? Well, if you're approaching it like you have an expansion team, then of course you're, you're going to look at every single possibility out there uh, where you can acquire the best player at every single position that you possibly can. And quarterbacks certainly would not be overlooked in that philosophy.
1: Okay, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange of Brown Talk podcast. Hey, guess what we have coming up, guys? This is exciting. We are going to do another version of our quarterback draft. That's going to be the final piece of the mayfield matrix so that's coming up here on the orange or brown talk podcast if you missed last year's go back and listen i'm actually going to go back and, and kind of scan through it a little bit to see where we picked everybody and uh some of the reasoning behind it here before we record that uh, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast apple Podcasts, google play whatever it is and also make sure you're a football insider subscriber google.com slash brown's the blue banner at the top of the page mary Kay, I will talk to you later
0: sounds great